I'd like to welcome you to the meeting tonight. And um, my friend Chris Hodges is our guest. Um, he's director of uh, Abiding Above Ministries in the near Memphis, not Egypt, but Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, but Chris, okay. if you would uh, just say uh, God bless you. You've been such an encouragement over the years as we've uh, discussed the truths of God's word. And uh, we just invite you to share a bit of your spiritual journey with us during this meeting and also about uh, your ministry and whatever God lays in your heart to uh, share with us tonight. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Well, it's uh, my pleasure, John. Thank you for uh, getting in touch with me and uh, for offering uh, this time to uh, prayerfully be an encouragement uh, to you guys and just to share my own uh, journey with finding out who I am in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, it's interesting um since John has called me, just several things have taken place. But uh, my wife and I uh, went down to a funeral uh, in what's called the Mississippi Delta and uh, over the weekend. And um, because of that, you know, I had some time of reflection uh, in my life. And uh, we came through um, a town called Clarksville, Mississippi, where I was born and raised. And I pointed once again to my wife and I said it was at that church that I began to realize that Christ died for me. And uh, at the age of six, uh, I asked Christ to come into my heart, and uh, he did. And uh, I had been back in that church uh, many years later in my life, and uh, it's, for the most part now it's an African-American church. And uh, one uh, Wednesday evening, I just walked in the back door and came into their service. And then after it was over, with, I shared with the pastor what it taken place in my life uh, many, many years ago. But uh, I'll be 62 next month, and I was six when I was saved. But just like everybody online right now, uh, I went through my dark night of the soul, which that's a whole other topic for another night. And um, But when I was in my 20s, after having many years of Basically, seeing I, I, for many years, I saw God as uh, sitting on a throne, a crown on his head, a scepter in his hand, a stern look on his face, always disappointed with Chris Hodges. That's how I saw him until I was in my 20s. And um, I don't know why. I don't really know why I thought of him that way, because I had a loving father. And a loving mother who loved God with their whole heart. My dad walked in the spirit when he didn't know what the terminology was. He was a railroad man. And even the men uh, on the railroad said there was something different about Curtis Hodges. And what it was, he walked in the spirit, but he didn't know semantics. He didn't know the things that we talk about now. It was just he listened to the Holy Spirit and he lived his life. So. I don't know why I saw God the way I saw him as sitting on a throne instead of living in me, other than possibly the teaching and preaching that I had been under. But I really do not know. But um, later in my life, in my 20s, uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was in um, Pensacola, Florida. I was uh, working on a golf course, Tiger Point. Um, in Gulf Breeze, which is right there close to Pensacola. 
I was listening to country music because I loved country music back in those days. And um, all of a sudden, the radio station became staticky. And so I turned from the station to find another country music station. And I heard someone preaching, and his name was Charles Stanley, out of Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't know who he was, but even when I was a child, I can remember feeling guilty if I turned off a preacher, like if Billy Graham was on the TV when I was young and we were going through the channels looking for something to watch, if the crusade was going on, it was like something in, it was the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know that then. Uh, I could not turn the channel. I felt like it, it was like turning God off or rejecting God, so I wouldn't. And I felt that way on the golf course. I was mowing the roughs around the fairways, listening to this. Matter of fact, I'm in my study right now, and I was actually wearing these right here. Now I know y'all are younger. Y'all are younger than me. You don't know what these are, and I'm not holding it up too well. Let me see how I can do this. Basically, these are this is the headphone set I was wearing when I heard Dr. Stanley speak many years ago. I got those around my lamp in my study here, and so he was speaking about King David and how he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, how he had lied to the people about it, and how he um had arranged for her husband, Uriah, to be killed in battle to try to cover up his sin. And um, then Charles Stanley said this. I'll never forget it. God said he was a man after his own heart. God being omniscient, he knew all these things before David even committed any of these acts. And he said this about David. And I remember he said it was David's heart's desire to serve God, but he was also, like we have been, fallen in nature, dead in our trespasses and sins, and so therefore he did what none of us had done. At that point in my life, in my 20s, I had not committed adultery, so I hadn't had to lie about that, and I'd never murdered anybody. He was guilty of all that, and when he said that, it stunned me because I thought all these things are true. They're in the Bible. but God And God did say that he's a man after my own heart. So I'm thinking, this just didn't, it, it was something so different about it. I said, how could this be? And then Charles Stanley unfolded the grace of God like I had never heard it before. And I know now, I knew the grace of God for salvation. What I did not know, I did not know the grace of God for what happens after salvation. You know, we're saved by grace. We're kept by grace. And uh, we, we live by grace and we're kept by grace. I did not know that. He unfolded that in the best way that could be for me. Uh, so simple. He God gifted him in such a way that he could make things plain. And so that so got my attention that I looked at my watch on that tractor, mowing the rust around the fairways at Tiger Point. I think it was like 9 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, I'm going to tune in to this channel every day. And I began to listen to him while I worked every day. So basically, Charles Stanley discipled me, though he did not know it till many years later. He and I talked, and I, I did tell him the story. And I said, you didn't know me, but uh, you discipled me while I drove a tractor. And you helped me understand the grace of God like I had never heard it before. 
And so from that point forward, I began to get up earlier in the morning and have my quiet time. And I began to just trust God. And I began to, I had a desire to grow again and read uh, God's word. Eventually, I left that and uh, I was hired uh, in the Mississippi Delta at a place called Greenwood, Mississippi, to work for a railroad and be an engineer, which I did for six years. It was during that time I was listening. Uh, well, let me just back up. My dad came out to me uh, one afternoon. He said, Chris, you know uh, the guy that you listen to on the radio, Charles Stanley? And I said, yeah. And uh, he said, he's on TV right now. Why don't you come in here and look? And so I walked inside, and there he was on TV. And he was preaching a message, and the title of the message was Christians in the Marketplace. And I looked at him, and he preached. And then I turned to my mom and dad, and I said this. I said, this is the reason I like him. He looks like he really believes what he's saying. And so what it was, it was the anointing, which I knew nothing about. And so I began to watch him on television from there forward. I had an apartment in Greenwood and uh, one night came home from work and uh, I turned on the TV and I watched Dr. Stanley and he was preaching from John chapter 15 verses four through five, defining the branches. And I was listening and I was eating dinner and he said, God is divine. You're the branch. The Holy spirit is the sap that flows from the vine into the branch. He produces the fruit because you and I cannot. He said, we can bear fruit, but we cannot produce it. And then Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he said, uh, basically something major, uh, Tom Thomas says a lot, God never said you could. Uh, he always said he would as you abide in him. And so that dawned upon my consciousness from that sermon that instead of God being in heaven looking at me, disappointed with me, he lives inside of me in the presence of the Holy Spirit to live through me. And each morning during that time of my life in Greenwood, Mississippi, I used to get up in the morning. I'd walk a mile and a half down uh, a, a street called Grand Boulevard. And I would a mile and a half, I would come to a church that had a cross out front. I would pray, then I'd walk back to my apartment. So I, I walked three miles a day at that point in my life. And so I had gotten to a point, listening to Dr. Stanley, him mentioning surrender over and over again. You come to a point where you have to say no to me and yes to God. You have to surrender. And when you do, his Holy Spirit flows through you. You can't live the Christian life. He lives it through you as you abide in him. And so one particular morning I did that. And I, when I prayed, I said, Lord, whatever you tell me to do next from now on, I'm going to do it, even if it makes me uncomfortable. And then I started walking back to my house, when I, I mean, to my apartment. When I got to the apartment, I had a grocery list uh, on the kitchen cabinet and a counter. And uh, I picked it up and uh, got in my truck and I, I drove to a nearby supermarket, a grocery store, a lot smaller than what we have today. And I drove into the parking lot to get my groceries. And I saw a parking spot right there close to the door. And I went for it like we always do. And the Holy Spirit said, give it up. You don't have to have that parking place right close to the front. 
at that moment, I can still just remember this. I was thinking to myself, is this me talking to me or is this the Holy Spirit talking to me? And the Holy Spirit, audibly, not audibly, but impressed upon my spirit, there's only one way you're going to find out. Don't take that parking spot. <laughs> and you park way out in the middle and make yourself walk in without getting that spot. And so that's what I did. And I felt foolish. I wondered if anybody thought I was strange because I just parked in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And I made myself walk in. I didn't have to have the place up front. And so when I did that and I walked in, all of a sudden it was a sense of relief. I felt a joy that I'd never felt before. I started crying. It wasn't a second baptism because I do not believe in that. Because I've already been baptized in Christ. I just didn't know all that I had in that. But what it was is I was experiencing what it's like to not to have my own way. And it was pleasant. It was joyful. And basically it was the fruit. of What I was experiencing was the fruit of the Holy Spirit for the first time, really. And I walked in that store. I'll never forget. I felt like I loved everybody in that store. And I smiled at everyone and acknowledge their presence instead of walking straight past them. I would have just hugged everybody's neck, but it was what I was feeling. And I got my groceries and that's what I felt. And then I walked back to my truck and I knew this is different. And then it, it made me want to see what else he might do. And so I got it in my mind, whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And so later on at church, I had a deacon come up to me, and I was growing in the Lord, and apparently it was noticeable. But I want to be honest with you, I, I didn't I didn't think anybody noticed anything, but it was noticeable. And I had a deacon tell me one Sunday, he said, Chris, we're going, going to have men's day next Sunday. Would you share your personal testimony? Now, I had it in my mind from the teaching of Dr. Stanley. God will bring you to places where you have to make a decision, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. The first thing that came to my mind is I'm afraid to speak in public. And so I told him, everything inside of me is telling me to tell you no, because I'm uncomfortable with this. But the Holy Spirit is telling me, to tell you yes and just to trust him. And so I did. And um, all week long, prior to that next Sunday, Men's Day, where I'd share my testimony, the Holy Spirit said to me, Chris, tell them the truth about your life. Not good old boy stories and not everything that's good, but tell them what you've struggled with, sins you've committed, and just be open and transparent. That's all I heard all week long. And so that Sunday, I'd made up my mind. I was going to do this, and my mom and dad were sitting out there. I didn't want to hurt hurt them. I didn't want to embarrass them. But God said, just tell the truth. And so that's what I did. I shared 
Hey, man, I've got a recording of that that I would never want to go out public. Um, but I just shared the truth about my life. And, and basically, I didn't know what coming to the end of yourself, surrendering. I didn't know the terminology so much. But that's what was I know now that's what was happening with me. I was still not married. Um, so I was a single man. And uh, the interesting thing is that time in my life, I had a, a post office box at the post office and my post office box filled up with notes and letters from people who were there who heard the testimony. And I was wondering if I really made a mistake by being that honest about my life. But it ended up, I saw it was a huge blessing to the whole church. It was like, oh, my goodness. And so that grocery store experience, that sharing my personal testimony and just being honest, that was like a total transformation. And I'll be 62 next month. And my life has never, ever been the same since then. And um, so that was my And I didn't have the teaching of the deeper life other than Dr. Stanley talking about Christ in you. Now, let me fast forward. Um, I worked for the railroad about six years. And then um, uh, I just knew some things were, I just want, there was something I was missing. There was something I wanted. I wanted more. And I don't know. I didn't know what it was. It had to do with the teaching I was hearing maybe. But I asked my dad one day, standing under the carport there at their house, Dad, where can I go to hear someone teach God's word like they really mean it? And he said this, Adrian Rogers, Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, which is not about, it's not but about 75 miles from where I was, and that would be an easy drive for me. So that very next uh, Sunday, that's what I did. I walked into that church. Uh, and I can still visualize walking past those huge columns going into the church. I had on Ranger blue jeans, uh, Justin Roper boots and a white button down. And, um, I remember sitting on the back row, a 7,000 seat, uh, auditorium. And, uh, if you'd have told me, Chris, one day you're going to preach from that platform, I would have thought you were absolutely <laughs> crazy, but that is what happened. I didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me. I was simply just doing the very next thing that God laid on my heart to do. And um, so I got to where I would go at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. And uh, I began to get to know some other uh, singles and got involved in the singles ministry there. And uh, and then um, I went through a period of um, wondering uh, if God was um, calling me into ministry. And one day, um, I was walking out of the church there at Bellevue in Memphis. I was going to get in my truck and go back to the Mississippi Delta, Greenwood, Mississippi. And to my right on the table, there was, um, there was this, uh, brochure. Basically, it was, it was kind of more like a, uh, a lesson plan, uh, discovering your spiritual gift. And so I took it. It was something they wanted everybody to take this. Dr. Rogers was doing a series on it and, I got it, and um, I was going to take it home and look through it, you know, discovering your spiritual gift. But the interesting thing is this. As I got in my truck, 
uh, I, I had also gotten a brochure off the same table right next to the spiritual gifts. I got a brochure off the table from Encounter Ministries, which is a Dr. Stephen Oford, a British ministry. And so I got in my truck and I was looking at his brochure and I saw um, Bot Radio Network 640 AM. And so I put that on I put that uh, on my radio station in my truck and started driving down to Mississippi. And Stephen Oford was preaching. The brochure he was preaching. I mean, it was his it was his scheduled time on Sunday. I never will forget he. I heard this when I first turned my radio on. 6.40 a.m., he was saying this in a sermon. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. And pray until you do feel like it. And that's the first time I heard him. If you would have told me one day I'd live above his study and help him with his ministry, I'd have said, you're crazy. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. And I know I don't have uh, – I have about ten more minutes here. I can't tell you everything. But eventually I went to one of his seminars. I took a week's vacation, went to one of his seminars, and I was wondering if God was calling me to ministry. I was hoping I'd get a chance to talk to him, but I really, so many guys wanted to talk to him, and I grew up in a family and an environment. You didn't push yourself. It was disrespectful to push yourself, so I never got a chance to talk with him, but I got a chance to talk with his homiletical secretary. Her name was Victoria Cool. I never would have dreamed I would do her funeral one day at Bellevue Baptist. It's amazing to think about these things. But at that seminar, I didn't get a chance to doctor, talk to Dr. Uh, Ofer, but I talked to his secretary. And I told her, I said, she said, what are you here for this week? And I said, to be honest with you, I'm wondering if God's calling me to ministry. And so she brought down from her office a manila folder and it was full and it looked old i mean the folder looked old all the papers in it looked old and the title of it was the call to ministry she handed it to me she said why why are you here this week won't you read some of the articles in this folder and maybe god will use it to help you discern that and that's exactly what happened i realized that God was calling me to ministry, and I made a decision to go back to the railroad and talk to um, the officials there and give them a two-month notice that I was going to leave the railroad, and then I was going to go. She she suggested me to go to Wheaton College, but I felt led to go to Mid-America Seminary in Memphis. And so that's what I did. I went uh, one year to Mid-America Seminary, and then I, I decided to stop doing that and finish up my degree, and get and I got a Bachelor of Science at Crichton College. But during that time, because I was now a member of Bellevue Baptist, and I was volunteering and doing a lot of ministry and evangelism and things like that, that Dr. Rogers, I guess, had heard about me. Even though the church was 30,000 members huge, he heard about me. He got interested in maybe bringing me on staff. And so I was approached to do that. Back when we had pagers on our belt instead of cell phones, I got a page one day from uh, Bellevue Baptist Church, 901-347-2000, the main number, and they were wanting to interview me. And when I got the page, when I got that, when I got that pager call, um, I was actually digging 
a trench to put irrigation pipes uh, <laughs> on a job on an irrigation job site uh, because that's how I paid my way through uh, college and seminary because I wanted to be debt free. And um, so anyway, I ended up um, having an interview, and they were interested in me uh, coming on staff, and uh, they offered like three different positions and said you can either take this these positions now. Uh, he said, when you graduate from college, we'd love to receive you to come on staff. But you pray about it, and if God wants you to go back and do two more years of seminary, you let us know. And then after you do two more years of seminary, then uh, we'd love for you to come on staff. So I prayed about it, and I thought, you know what? And Adrian told me this. He said, Chris, you can either go back and do two years of seminary, or you can come and start teaching here at Bellevue. Uh, Sunday school classes and those things. He said, you're going to learn as much doing that as you would if you're in seminary. But he said, you do what God leads you to do. Long story short, I decided to uh, make myself available to do pastoral care, which is basically the traditional work of a pastor. And uh, so uh, I didn't go back and do my other two years of seminaries. Praise God, I didn't lose those two years. You know what Major Thomas told me about seminary? When I told him I was in seminary, he said, really? He said, it'll take you six years to get over seminary. <laughs> I know that's a whole, that's a whole nother story. I, I got so many stories, but anyway, I, I was ordained by Adrian, served six years, minister of pastoral care, and, uh, we're still members there, me and my family. Um, but I started a ministry after that called, uh, Abiding Above Ministries. Because I was beginning more and more to know the teaching of who I am in Christ, and I learned that from Charles Stanley originally, and then Charles Solomon after that. And so, uh, what happened was this: while I was on staff at Bellevue, they would give us a week every year for continuing education or to go preach a revival somewhere. They'd give you a whole week apart from your uh, your family vacation. I took one week, and I went to Pigeon Forge. And I went to a seminar by Dr. Solomon. He said, how did you hear about him? I think I heard about him when Dr. Stanley was teaching. He mentioned Charles Solomon. And I think I looked it up and found out that he was in Pigeon Forge and what he taught and all that. Uh, Dr. Stanley had said that at some point him and his son Andy had gone to one of the seminars Um and this was a time that I think Charles was very close with Stephen Olford. And uh, so that got my attention. And so I ended up um, going to a seminar. And I went to the the week-long seminar that I believe you guys used to do uh, every year where all of this teaching was done in one whole week. Instead of just a seminar, uh, like a two-part seminar, it was like the whole week. He did everything in one week and uh, stayed at the hotel, went through the seminar, and that's where I saw the spirit, soul, body diagrams. And it, I need that. You show me something visually, I get it. If you just talk to me all the time, I finally go to sleep. So I saw those graphs along with his teaching, and I began to see how I was made and everything. I began to see it and understand it. And then the, I was already knowing Christ in me. And I was, and I was also knowing me and Christ. And that's a whole nother story by a man named George Eager in a picture that I saw in a discipleship book. But the emotional 
the the emotional things, all those type things. The only thing I knew about that was originally from uh, Bill Gofford when I was a teenager. Number two, watch my knee. But Dr. Solomon blew it out of the park. He made it so simple and so much clearer because he had the ability to draw those diagrams to illustrate what he was saying. And I captured it and I took what I learned, the diagrams, I put those on transparencies. I went back to my uh, couples class that I taught at Bellevue, and I began to teach those things that I learned from Dr. Solomon. I began to teach those things in that class at Bellevue. And to this day, and this has been a long time ago, to this day, uh, I still have people in my life who come up to me and say, when you were teaching that series, everything began to make sense to me. And so um, these things, um, understanding these deeper life truths, as some people call them, uh, open up many doors for me to go teach and preach in churches, seminars, conferences. I have spoken at America's Keswick now either four or five times in New Jersey. Uh, I would love to go to the English Keswick, but I do know that it is Heather Ofer told me it's not what it used to be. But I still would like to go and bring the traditional message back. But um, amen. amen and amen. And so uh, I, um, these are the things that have happened. There's so much more I'd love to tell you guys, but I'm condensed here. But um, I'm still – I'm not working at it. It's not a personal discipline. It's like seeing something that makes everything make sense that you never really get over it. And it's, it's like a grid system. Everything I read, everything I hear comes through that grid system, and it just keeps validating it over and over and over again, so much that I really can't quit talking about it. Um, I could be pastoring Park Avenue Baptist Church right now, Peter Lord's Church in Titusville, and I love Florida. But I just didn't feel led to do it. I, I want to get, I want, number one, Christ died for you to the loss. Number two, two believers, you died with Christ. What does all that mean? Those are the only two things that drive me. And so I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. But I, I did pastor a church for six years, a senior pastor of a church, uh, in the suburbs of uh, Memphis. But, there's so many things holding back our local churches, and I don't want to get into all that. It just feels good to be free to go and share the gospel. Christ died for you. You must be born again. God loves you. And then, now that you are saved, this is some things you probably don't know, and I want to tell you. You're crucified with Christ. You're buried with him, raised with him, ascended with him, seated with him. And as you abide in him, he lives in and through you. Moment by moment, day by day. You don't have to figure it all out. Just begin to abide in him. And what you can't figure out begins to happen. It's like it's like come spring, these dead leaves on the trees are going to be pushed off by the new life that's coming through. And um, instead of concentrating on trying to stop this, stop that, and stop the other, focus on spiritual growth and it pushes off the old. And... So anyway, that's what I've been doing for a long time now. That's my connection with Grace Fellowship International and uh, Dr. Um, Solomon. And that's kind of a quick 
sloppy a snapshot of these things. So I've been speaking 31 minutes. John, what you got? Well, Chris, uh, our hearts rejoice. Uh, tell us a bit more about uh, Abiding Above Ministries and kind of doors God has opened and um, what you'd like us to know about that. Miles Stanford wrote a book, um, the final edition of some books he pulled together called The Complete Green Letters. And one of those chapters is, is the chapter after the, it talks about the Keswick Convention. It's called Abiding Above. And basically what it's saying is this. The believer's position in Christ is the above. God sees us already there in Christ at his right hand. It is finished. But we're in what's called progressive sanctification. So therefore, we're living on this earth in this brief moment called time. And we're to abide above. Therefore, instead of trying to find an identity in this world system controlled by Satan, this brief, we say, no, now and for all eternity, my identity is in Christ Jesus. So on this earth, while I, my physical body continues to die, I choose to rest in my position in Christ. And when I do, relying on the Holy Spirit, I begin to experience my position in Christ right now in this moment called time, abiding above I started the ministry because I was getting opportunities to go teach and preach these truths. And so I started Abiding Above Ministries so that, uh, so that I could go do this. The hardest decision I think I've ever made in my life was to leave Bellevue Baptist Church as a minister on staff because it was nice. I was loved and I loved the place and I could have just stayed there and done that forever. But I wanted to reach people with the gospel and then I wanted to reach believers. No, helping them see you're crucified with Christ. You've been placed in Christ. God sees you complete in him. When you see yourself complete in him, you'll live a heavenly life on earth. Not perfect as far as everything that you do, but by the Holy Spirit in you, you see the fruit of the Spirit coming through you. And when you... When the teaching is done, you see that your emotions are the biggest culprit in quenching and grieving. And grieving is a love word. The Holy Spirit in you to keep you from living through you. Our emotions basically quench and grieve him. And he's not angry because he's not surprised. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? So I've watched this over and over again. And, and this is a whole nother thing. I've discipled many men. And matter of fact, John, uh, when I made a decision, and I, so much I'd love to share, but John Dawson Trotman on a cassette tape when I was a railroad engineer had a famous sermon called Born to Reproduce. I listened to that illegally driving a train in the hills of Mississippi. Do not tell on me. Born to Re and I got that in my mind. I never got it out that I should always be saying, he used to say, who is your man? And I used to think, I don't, I'm not discipling anybody. I'm preaching, I'm teaching and all these things. But when I'm free, I'm not discipling anyone. And so I began to say, I'm going to disciple someone. And I called John Woodward and I said, what discipleship material designed to sit down with a man one to one do you recommend? And you recommended, um, 
uh, Dynamic Discipleship International out of Canada. And uh, we nicknamed it here in Memphis the Red Book. Uh, and so for years, my first guy was Larry Browning. He's my best friend. Uh, I discipled him one-to-one. And then when we finished, he began to disciple another man. I began to disciple another man. And now we're figuring it's right around 200. I have people come up to me sometime in a restaurant, and they'll say, I know you don't know me, but I know somebody that you knew. And they'll tell me, and he said, he disciple me. And I said, well, praise the Lord. And what I'm, it's like your 401K, and I know there's some discrepancy there. Compounded interest. It's like compounded interest. It's stunning. Uh, but now I do use Lee Turner's uh, two books, and I know y'all just finished the one uh, last week, which had been on dying, right? The last one would be on dying. That's what y'all finished if y'all did that last week. Uh, I use his um, books now to disciple uh, to disciple men one to one, and um, and I, I love discipleship. I mean, it's I, I I really think, and I know you can do groups and all that. One to one, I think is best, but you can do groups. It's everybody's different. But I've watched over and over. Once you get to a place where everybody knows this is your last lesson. Then there's a responsibility. I, I've got to go do likewise. I've got to go make disciples to to the nations forever. i got to keep doing this. Well, then that's what makes it spread. The danger is getting in a group and enjoying it so much that you never will leave and go do. That's I have watched this over and over. The wise thing to do, disciple a man and say, okay, this is our last lesson. You go do likewise. That's the wisest thing you can do. Other than that, uh, you'll be enjoying one another and then you'll die and there's no, you know, there's no increase. So, uh, that's abiding above ministry. So anyway, I planted churches in Kenya. Um, I'm prayerfully thinking about planting one in India this year. And, um, I've been to Kenya 21 times or 22, I think now. And then, um, uh, me and teams are going out doing evangelism, handing out gospel tracts, which I call, uh, um, what I call the gospel tracts. I call them uh, missionaries. Uh, these tracts are like missionaries. And I got that from a man named George Eager. And that's a whole nother story. George Eager had a big influence on my life. He helped me see what Galatians 2.20 meant to a deeper degree. Uh, God used him to help me see that. So. Well, Chris, would you offer a prayer for God to challenge all those who hear this recording that we would share the gospel of salvation and the gospel of identification? Amen. Father, we thank you so much that you loved us so much that you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and live through us. Father, as we look at the gospels and see what your son did, as he too rested in you as both God and man. Father, we choose to do what he did, not by imitation, but by the very spirit of your spirit living in and through us. Father, we choose to lead people to Christ, to disciple them, to love them agape and brotherly, and to be used by you to help them grow spiritually. And Father, we ask you to cause the increase that only you can cause. 
as we simply abide in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.